Today, I'm going to continue on a series that we began a few weeks ago. And the series is titled, Commitment Matters. Commitment Matters. Now, we've talked about a few different areas of commitment. We talked about commitment in relationships. We talked about uh, commitment in uh, two or three different areas. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about commitment to a local church. I'm going to show you from Scripture why this is so important if you're a believer, why it is important to affect your community, what God's Word has to say about commitment to a local church. The definition of commitment, the act of binding yourself to a course of action no matter the cost or outcome. For those of you who got married, you committed to be married For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, you are making a commitment no matter what would come. And so that commitment is important. And yes, commitment to a local church matters. But let me begin today by reading you a story. We're calling it the Karen Bennett story, and I've taken it from a book called Visioneering. It says... This On February 3rd, 1990, now this is a few years back, Karen Bennett and five of her friends left the suburbs and moved into an old abandoned nightclub in one of the most dangerous areas of Atlanta. For the previous six months, they had conducted services on the streets for the inner city children. Karen, at the time, was 23 years old. Month after month, this is her words now, month after month we kept going down there until we felt like it was the time to have a church building for those kids. We started looking at old warehouses and old buildings in downtown Atlanta. Finally, we found this one old nightclub that sits right in the middle of 25 major inner city projects. I called the owner up and I said, well, how much do you want for this place? He said he needed 2000 a month rent. Well, he could have told me it was $2 million. I didn't have that type of money. I was on a church salary living in an apartment in the suburbs. But on the way home, we each stopped by our bank and cleared out our checkings and savings accounts. We looked for every nickel and dime we could find. That night, we dumped it all into one pot, and between the six of us, she had five unpaid staff, other friends. Between the six of us, we had $52. This was where they were at, $52. So it ended up that my staff and I got together that night and we just talked about it. It was one of those nights that we had to be honest with ourselves. Is this what we're going to do? Or was this one of those things that we were just going to talk about until we were 40 or 50 years old? That's not old, by the way, but to them, you know, they were 23, that was old. So we decided that we were going to take a chance. Because every once in a while, you've got to do that. The next day, we went to our landlords. We handed in our notices to the leases on our apartments. We couldn't afford to have our nice apartments and have a church for those kids at the same time. I remember that when we moved in, it was 20 or 30 degrees outside. It was about 20 or 30 degrees inside. We forgot to check if the building had heat before we moved in. It didn't have heat, and it didn't have air. It didn't have a toilet, a sink, or a shower. It didn't have anything. We had to drive down to Hardy's to use the bathroom. Our new home came complete with cement floors and 17-inch sewer rats. We called them gophers up our way 
because they go for you. We kept trying to get the building updated and upgraded, but nobody believed in us. Sometimes you wonder if you really heard from God or not. Karen and her staff continued working at their various places of employment. On payday, they would deposit their paychecks into the ministry account, and they would each take $20 a week for living expenses. On weekends, they began going door-to-door in the projects, inviting children to their Saturday services. They made 4,000 personal visits every week. Over time, they won the respect and trust of the parents in those communities. That is how the Metro Assembly got started. Can I say commitment? 4,000 visits a week. I don't know if you add that up and divide it by the number of days and the number of staff, but that is a lot of visits. 4,000. How many of you would decide I don't need my place of rental anymore, I'm going to move into an old abandoned place without a toilet or a sink or a shower? That may have been an oversight. I would have checked for those things. But anyhow, God knew where he wanted them. And they said, we're committed to this. They committed to it, and it grew to the point that Karen and her 16-member staff were ministering to over 3,000 children every week in multiple weekend services and sponsoring a youth service that had over 200 teenagers. In 1994, they established a private school in the community with tuition at $20 a month. 125 students enrolled, and they had 500 others on the waiting list. But Karen and her staff paid a price for the success they experienced. In those early years, Metro Assembly was broken into over 70 times. Karen was mugged. Three of her staff were beaten up by teenagers attending one of their services. Most of the windows on their buses were shot out. Ten of their children who attended their very first church service were later murdered. The first funeral that Karen performed was one for her own staff. Karen's response to all this, if you decide that what God is asking you to do with your life is just too much on you, it's just a little too inconvenient, then you will never see the miracles he has for you. Church, can I say commitment matters? You see, these young ladies decided... Commitment to a church in the poorest of poor areas mattered, and they were willing to give it their all. They were willing to do whatever it took to make a difference. You see, God's Word tells us that we should also be committed to a local church or a local group of believers, and there's reasons for that. You see, God says that His local church, He likens it to a body, a family, and also an army. And all of those entities require commitment and unity and, yes, even sacrifice to move forward. Commitment to a local body. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. It says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12 says it a little more clear even. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. 
Then he continues on. Yes, he says, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it less of the part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. He said that enough times we shouldn't forget it. We make up a body of local believers. We each are different with special gifts, and we should not be exactly the same. We don't have to think exactly the same or act exactly the same. God placed you here because you have a gift in you that is needed for this body to function. You see, a physical body missing a leg or two, it's much more difficult to be effective and do what needs to be done, isn't it? Each of us is needed. You see, we need you. You are needed in the body. Maybe when we said that today, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got a lot of problems. You probably don't want me. No, we need you. You know, maybe some of you got one of those toes with a kind of funny toenail. You still need it. We need you. <laughs> I don't know if I should have said that, but I just did. <laughs> you get the point. We need all our toes. <laughs> we need each other. Each one of us plays an important role. And yes, a body of believers needs to be in unity, each part functioning the way it was meant to function so that it can do what it was meant to do. This local body needs each of us saying, yes, we'll be here, we'll do, we'll commit for the purpose of this local body. And what is the purpose of this local church? We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. We are here to see people come to the light of who he is that it might transform them. That one, they will make heaven their home, but that two, they can live the abundant life that Christ meant for them here and now. That they can live free from the burdens, in joy, free from addictions, and free from the lies of the enemy that tries to defeat them and bring them down. Hey, that's a good mission. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? your commitment? Is it worth my commitment? They're like, you're the pastor. They pay you. Of course it's worth it to you. I did volunteer ministry for most of my life before I became the pastor here because it was worth it. It's worth it. Commitment matters, and when you commit, things change. When you think of commitment you know, we have to talk about sports because I see people really committed to sports, and sports are not bad or evil or anything. I like sports too. And I think that people actually learn at a young age that commitment can really be important when they join sports. People for sports will often commit daily to making themselves healthier, whether it's working out, practicing. Anybody here play basketball? Or you played basketball in school? Sure. Well, you didn't just show up at the game and then run around, did you? You practice daily probably. You have a hoop in your backyard or you go off to the school where they got a hoop. Well, I'm going to practice hours and hours of commitment and work so that you can play the game and win. And you feel that it's worth it. Why? 
One, you're part of a team. There's a purpose and a goal in it. And there's people that cheer you on. Think about it for a minute. I know people that have spent years of time you know, working out and getting better at what they could do so they could go and do that. How many hours a week are you spending for that? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Some of you are like, you would have missed if you shot like that. Okay. Okay, we got this. Sports are great. That's way better than hanging out doing things that are illegal, causing problems. Go do sports, yes. But if you're willing to put that kind of commitment to sports, what about to your local church? Is it worth it to you? Here's a couple things. Maybe nobody ever cheers you on. That'd be my fault or our fault as leadership. We should be cheering you on. Because what you're doing when you're helping kids ministry makes a difference. When you're on this worship team, it makes a difference. When you're coming and praising the Lord and His presence comes as you praise, it makes a difference. When you're giving of your finance, it makes a difference. Lives are changed weekly. We've seen over 34 salvations already this year. In church, it's possible because people are committed. We've seen lives transformed. There are people in this congregation who were once drug addicts feeling like they needed to give up on life. And they're here serving God. There are people who thought there's no point to living and they are here serving God. There are people who are destined for a place called hell, but they're no longer headed that direction. They're headed for a place called heaven. Is it worth it? Is it worth your commitment? Do you want to see people changed? Do you want to make a difference in your world? Then commit to a local church. Commitment matters. Here, I want to just say this. If you're like, well, I would commit, but I don't like the pastor's hair. I don't know if anybody said that. Well, I would commit, but I don't know. There's that one person, they just annoy me. Well, I would commit, but I remember five years ago what happened when somebody said, oh, hey, did you know when you play on a sports team, there's sometimes people on your sports team that are annoying, but I noticed something. They all work it out. They get together because they want to win. Is that true? Have you ever been a sports team where everybody's perfect? No. But what happens? You work it out because you want to win. So who wants to win with your local church? Do you want to see your church win? Well, what is a win for your local church? It's people being saved. It's your community being changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That takes commitment. That takes time in prayer. That takes life groups pouring into each other. That takes worship teams practicing, doing what they can. That takes finance. That takes leadership. It takes commitment. But I have found something out. The more commitment you put into it, the more amazing it feels to be a part of it. It's a fact. It's not the other way around. The commitment comes first. Think about it. People who don't like sports, it's probably because they don't understand how it is or what it feels like. They've never been really involved. 
People who don't think they like church or want to get committed is because they don't understand what it's about. They've never really pressed in. They've never really felt the excitement or the thrill of seeing someone who is about to end their life suddenly decide they're going to keep going for Jesus. They've never felt it. So to them, it doesn't matter. They have never been part of praying for someone who's struggling in their marriage about ready to give up and to see them decide, we can do this. Commit, and I guarantee you, you're going to get a passion like you've never had before. Commitment to a local church as a family. Ephesians 3 and verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And also let's read 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 10. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Here's the thing about committing to a local church like a family. When you have a family, you commit to look out for one another, to care about one another, and to help one another even if there are differences. Even if, you know, one of the family members is kind of off the wall you still commit to care for them. Is that true? I hope you do. Some of you are like, nah, we disowned our family. No, don't disown your family. Reach out to your family. Because families are meant to love one another as we just read in that scripture and continue to do it more. You see, we should be sticking out for one another, looking out for each other, supporting one another when we can There's nothing greater than seeing brothers and sisters who really care about each other. And that is really amazing. You know you can call them anytime, right? And they're going to pray for you or they're going to talk with you because they care. That's the way it should be in your local church. Care and love for one another. Not having to worry that somebody's going to cut you down or talk behind your back. Commitment as a family. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Commit to a local church to be there for one another often. Be there for one another. Be in unity and work to have peace. To have peace in your family home, you have to work at it. Did you know that? Peace doesn't just happen. Anybody here in your family, peace just happens? I'm going to say you're single and have no kids. No. (laughs) Yeah, every time I read a book, peace just happens. Okay. In larger families, peace does not just happen on its own. You work at having peace. You have to practice forgiveness. You have to set some guidelines. And peace happens because you strive for peace, just like your local church. Work at peace. Will there be offenses? Yes, Scripture says there will be. It's impossible not to have offenses because people have different opinions and different personalities. But you work through it. You care about one another. You work for peace. I also want to look at commitment to your local church as an army. Matthew 16 and verse 18. 
says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is talking about building his church, and he is actually giving them a picture that they understood, that he was saying, my church will be like an army busting into the kingdom of hell, because the gates to the city was how you destroyed a city. He said, they won't stand up to what my church is going to do. That is a picture of God's church, an army. Luke 10 in verse 19 is another one of those pictures. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's talking about a battle. You see, we are in a spiritual battle, whether we believe it or not, whether we like it or not, there's a spiritual battle, and we need to fight with alongside one another. You could interpret with different. We need to fight alongside one another in this battle. You need the person beside you. Now, I've asked before in our church if anyone here was in the army, and you've all said no, but we've maybe have a relative who's in the army or an uncle or someone in the past. Most of us have watched army movies, how true they are, we're not sure, but we understand how army works pretty much. Studied it in school. Armies train together, they work together, and they're able to follow instruction for a mission, a purpose. And they have to work out differences. They have to say, we're doing this and I'm for you. And they become close as they fight for and with, alongside one another. In church, our local church, it should be the same. We should not fight each other. We should fight alongside one another in this spiritual battle. When you see one of your fellow soldiers hurting, what's the thing to do? Get a couple people and help them. Take them to safety. Make sure they're healed and healthy. You don't knock them over the head because it's easier. Someone made a horrible statement, which is not true in this church, but, and I don't want to hear it re-spoken, but they said, the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. That's not true here, and it won't be. But it has been something that people have noticed, and maybe even the world said that. Somebody falls. Somebody makes a mistake. Really? Is that the way we're supposed to do it? I don't think so. When I read, Jesus says he wants to come to restore. Jesus was the one who looked at people and said, hey, I'm not condemning you, but don't go do that sinning anymore. So church, when you become part of a local body, are you looking out for the others that are part of your church to see if they need your help, to see if they need your prayer? Maybe they need your encouragement. Are you listening enough to know when they need you? Because we are in a spiritual battle. You know, I love this church, and I've thought about this. If there was ever a time there was actually a physical battle where I needed some people to stand with me, I'd choose you guys. Because you've already shown me that you're committed. You've already shown me that you're committed, even if I'm not perfect. You've already shown me that you're committed, even if we have different opinions. I would want you beside me. Anybody here in your past, like, you know, before you got saved, ever get into fights where you needed someone beside you? Oh, I got some honest people. Ooh, I didn't want to fight you. Okay. 
Sure, some of you have been there. And the best feeling ever was knowing you had a buddy or a partner beside you that was going to look out for you. So in your local church, do you know that you have somebody who will look out for you? Because if you don't, we're not quite doing this right. Honestly, do you have somebody you could call up and say, man, I need you. I want to encourage you today, if you don't, you need to become part of a life group because I have found out those people in life groups get close enough, they would fight for one another. Okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. Church, commit to your local church as an army. I want to say this. When I speak about this, I realize that there are seasons in people's lives and you may be committed to a local church in town and the season changes and God wants you to commit somewhere else. But I am going to say that shouldn't be every other weekend. Okay, your commitment and to grow, you need to get roots planted and be able to grow. Okay, and obviously other churches in our community that love the Lord Jesus are extended family and we should visit and support them as well. But your local church is where you're saying, this is team, this is my division in the army, this is where I'm going to fight and make a difference. And you give it your all. You see, if you aren't willing to commit like that, then you become more of a spectator, just wondering what will happen. But you know, the interesting thing in sports, fans are pretty committed. Fans are like really committed. I met a guy one time who was a fan for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What? No, anyways, committed. (laughs) We'll stay out of that. But anyhow, committed. Even fans wish they were on the team and they act like they're on the team. But I don't want you to just be a fan at your local church. Yeah, and like fight. Yeah, you get mad, right? I want you to commit beyond the fan mentality because here at your local church, you're part of the team. And if you don't feel like you're part of the team, go to the white table after and Bruce will sign you up. That was good, eh? (laughs) You should clap for that. Wow. (laughs) There are actually a number of scriptures that talk about our local church as an army. I'm not going to be able to read them all to you, but I'm just going to pick out a couple more here. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Ephesians 6, verse 10, this is a well-known one, telling us to put on the armor because, well, we're in a spiritual battle. Verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's a spiritual battle. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. You see, in the New Testament, those who were saved actually became part of a group of disciples who were committed to growing and serving together under a leader, a local church, no matter the cost. Acts 2 and verse 4, and then I'm going to explain what I just said. Acts 2, excuse me, verse 41. 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm going to say this so that you understand it and don't forget it. Being saved, water baptized, and joining a church all went together. There was no, well, I'm going to be saved but not go to church. Well, I'm going to be saved but not be water baptized. It was something they did them all. Because the salvation and calling out to the Lord was the heart thing. The water baptism was the public confession. And going to church was being discipled. It was not confusing. You were being discipled or you were discipling somebody. You see, church and being committed to church matters. These believers committed their time and finances to the local church because they believed in the Lord Jesus and the mission of his church. Do we still believe it? You know, I have noticed something that commitment sometimes is lacking, but maybe commitment is lacking because we can be saved and not committed in our society. Well, I've prayed, asked him to forgive me, so I'm saved. But commitment maybe wasn't something that you were taught or that was really needed. What do I mean? In the New Testament day and age, when they said, yes, I'm going to serve Jesus, and they did water baptism, and they became part of the church, they were actually putting themselves in a position where they could be killed for what they believed. Their commitment, the minute they said, I'm getting water baptized, they were saying, they can kill me if they want. They can put me on a cross like they did to him. I don't care. I'm committed. But in our society, well, you don't need that kind of commitment. And don't worry, I don't want it to ever be like that. But could we just commit because he asks us to commit? Do we need someone threatening our lives to decide to commit? I hope not. Because church commitment matters. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, in order to be discipled, people must come together and learn, be taught, and then do the mission. If you want to see people truly saved and discipled, you need to commit to a local church. If you want to be discipled, you need to commit to a local church. If you want to disciple others because you're a mature believer, you need to be part of a local church. Either that or start your own local church. But either way, you need to be with people. See, you don't do this walk alone. You don't serve Christ alone. Did you know that? There are no lone ranger, I do this all by myself. It's impossible because the minute that you lead someone to Christ, you're now responsible to help them grow. God didn't want us doing it by ourselves. If he'd have wanted us to do it all by ourselves, he would have just made Adam and forgot about Eve. I probably shouldn't have said that, but you get the picture. He wanted a group of people serving him. 
So let me ask as we get ready to wrap up, have you committed to being part of a local body no matter what? Are you willing to be there? Are you willing to commit? Have you committed to being part of a local body as a family? Do you care about others? Do you love them? Are you part of a life group where you can see and interact? Have you committed to being part of a local army? Are you okay with fighting for others in prayer by getting out there and comforting them, helping them, seeing what they need? Are you committed to being a part of a local church? My heart is that you would commit to being a part of this local church, but you know what? If God has put it on you to be committed to a different local church, then be committed. They need to see you there more than once a month. Or, you know, more than Christmas or Easter. I can say that because it's not Christmas or Easter right now. How committed are you? If Jesus were to walk in through here and say, I need five committed people, I've got a mission. Would he pick you? I need ten committed people, i got a mission. Would he pick you? Commitment matters. Commitment matters. I didn't say perfection matters, I said commitment matters. It's no fun, is it? You're like, Lord, can he play on a different team this week? No. <laughs> you want people who are committed on your team. Well, team, the greatest commitment that was ever made, of course, was the commitment that Jesus made to you and I. Jesus understood commitment beyond anything we can imagine. He gave his entire life. He came down, he left the kingdom of heaven to be born in a stable, in a poor family. It said he became poor for our sakes. He suffered for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was bruised for our iniquities. And it says by his stripes, he paid for our healing. He left him, beat him, and hang him on a cross. And he did it for us. He did it because he loved us so much and he committed to go all the way. He didn't stop halfway. He gave it his all. And church, you can receive that. You can receive what Christ did simply by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he did it for you. And in our church, we take time to pray a simple prayer that lets you use your mouth to say, yeah, Jesus, I want that forgiveness. I want to serve you. I want to be committed to something that matters. And we're going to do that today. I'm going to ask you to repeat that after me. If you're like, I've never had him ask him to forgive all my sin. I've never given my life to him, then just repeat this prayer with us. I want you guys to join. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. In Jesus' name, amen.